Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Thanks be to God for his word. have something to do with the sermon, eh? Good morning, everyone. New sermon series starting today called Core Strength. But, uh, oh, what a week it's been, eh? So many catastrophes around the world. And I think we should just stop this morning and just ask God for protection and strength and wisdom for those that are caught in the midst of uh, Hurricane Irma. So let's just stand together, would you, for a moment? Lord, there's... uh, I can't remember a time that there's been so much turbulence globally, environmentally. Lord, in Mexico, in the aftermath of that 8.1 earthquake, and... uh, the many lives that have been lost and many that have uh, lost their homes and family members and God how we pray for just your protection uh, upon those that are just struggling right now and just to find a sense of order in their lives lift them before you Lord Jesus we pray Lord for those that are struggling to get back to some semblance of order after Hurricane Harvey in Houston and surrounding areas. And uh, Lord, uh, so much devastation, billions of dollars in losses and lives that have been lost. God, we pray for Texas and we pray for the leaders there and uh, we pray for the churches, Lord Jesus, that uh, you'll use your people in powerful ways. And then Lord, in Florida, as uh, Hurricane Irma comes barreling in, even right now, God, and we just pray 
for protection uh, for family and friends that are there for residents of that state. Lord, uh, we pray that they will be able to evacuate and to move back. We pray for wisdom for those who think they're stronger than the storm and that, Lord, you would just give them a sense of the devastation that, that can happen. We pray, Lord, that you will use this time in the midst of tragedy and catastrophe that many hearts and lives would be brought to you, that there would be a recognition that, that our refuge and our strength is in the rock of Jesus Christ and, and him alone is salvation and him alone is our, is our true strength. God, and in India and Bangladesh and political unrest, Lord, in other countries, uh, there's so much that's happening. And I just pray, even in the midst of our own country, with all the fires, uh, Lord, that, uh, that you would help the firefighters and protect them. And, Lord, that it would rain and that would, uh, an end would come to these, uh, these fires. Lord, this morning, uh, we're just praying now that uh, as we open your word, uh, we will hear you. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said amen. I found a uh, uh, very authoritative source upon which to get some information. I mean, next to the Bible, where would you turn for guidance other than the Reader's Digest? And uh, the Reader's Digest informed me of the top five reasons to strengthen your core uh, physically. And everything I read is that a first priority in strengthening your whole body is to first and foremost strengthen your core. So wouldn't it be great to have a firm, solid, uh, good core? Uh, The core is more than just your ab muscles that look good uh, when you're giving them attention. They look okay, don't they, when, when you got that six-pack going. That's pretty awesome. But, but more than that, it's your body's powerhouse. So here are five reasons to strengthen your core, and they must be right because the Reader's Digest says so. So number one, helps prevent injuries. Because you get the deeper muscles working first. Secondly, it protects uh, your inner organs and central nervous system. Your spinal cord is everything. I mean, the quality of life is affected by how well your spine is supported by your core muscles. Thirdly, strengthen your core to prevent back pain. Back pain is uh, a common side effect of a weak core. Fourthly, to get a strong, confident posture. If your core is strong, you carry yourself with confidence, tall, upright, and with a sense that you are in control of your life. And fifth, you'll feel better. You'll look good, but better yet, you'll you'll feel great. So all credit to the Reader's Digest. Now my confession. Uh, You know which exercises I've always struggled with the most? The core muscles. I really quite hate doing the core muscle routines. Uh, And so this is me after core exercises. That's me. (laughs) They are exhausting. 
They take absolutely the most out of me. They seem to be the most grueling. Uh, I think I need help. No, I know I need help. So I wondered uh, if you might be an accountability group this fall for me, just for me. Uh, let's get our core in shape physically as a reminder to keep working on the other core areas of our lives. So would you just kindly help me strengthen my core? And I'll tell you how in a minute. And you probably won't like it. Every time you think of uh, working on your core physically, you could be reminded of working on your core spiritually. Now, what would that look like? I thought, well, perhaps this fall we could work on both areas. And then I thought, if I had a little encouragement personally, like about 200 people or more, who would say, I will work on my core abstract strength with you this fall. I'll do it with you. Then I thought, I might be, I might be motivated to do it. So uh, I asked, first of all, the staff to see if they would like to work on their abs this fall. And uh, I was expecting tomatoes and rotten apples and all those things to come my way. But almost immediately they said, yes, oh yes, yeah, we're in, count us in. There wasn't one naysayer. And I thought, what is wrong with these people? What is wrong with these people? They're actually excited to say yes. But that was the first blush. I thought, well, we'll check again in a week to see if they're really on board. So we actually have 100% buy-in from the staff. Look at them go. Look at this. Look at, they're already, look, see the perspiration and the determination and the cramping up already and all of that. Uh, so uh, there's another picture there that just in case you think Norb didn't get involved here, he's there and there's Tina back there. So we're all bought in and I'm already motivated. So I thought, now how awesome if we had another 200 people or more that would join. Just work on those abs four to six times a week. Not that bad, four to six times a week. And just watch what happens over the next couple of months. So if we have 200, I will be amazingly motivated like every day just to keep at it too. Miss a day here or there, that'd be fine. But uh, if I've got a deal out there, would you put your name in the friendship book today? Just say, working on my abs, working on my abs. How, might be, how many might be inclined to say, I could probably use that challenge for two months. I could do that for two months, four or five times a week, more if you want. And every day, just add one more. So uh, uh, if you're doing sit-ups and you start tomorrow by doing five in one day, the next day is six. And then 60 days from now, it's 66 unless uh, you're in really great shape and you say, five, what's that? But if you're not, don't start at 100 because it's going to increase every day. So uh, I might have a funeral here, so don't let me do that. So don't start too high if you're new to this. Uh, but will you do it? Uh, yes, I've heard a yes. How many, oh, I've got hands. How about some, oh, I, I, awesome. Awesome. The hands are still going up. So 
All I can say is take it slow, pace yourself, don't overdo it. It's a gradual, it's a gradual process. And we'll see you next week. I hope. Well, this isn't really a series of messages on developing the core muscles of the body. You knew that before I said it. But these are some takeaways for our personal and spiritual development. What are the core air strength areas of our personal lives that when developed will help us stand strong and tall and confident and filled with faith to seize the day? So I'm going to focus on three areas this fall. Uh, for developing strong spiritual abs. And they certainly find uh, support from the words of Jesus in a variety of contexts, but here they are. Number one, develop intimacy with God. Let's grow to know the heart of God. That's a core spiritual muscle to really know the heart of God. Secondly is to develop community with others. Finding and fostering deep friendships with some of the people that you're connected with, that's a common relational theme throughout the Bible. That's a core spiritual muscle to develop community with other people. And then being influential in the world in which we live. Making a difference. Discovering why God put us where he did. And we're going to be influential to, uh, for the one that we love. While we have life and breath, we're going to be influential for the, for the one we love. Jesus gave us marching orders to impact our world. So influencing those who are not yet connected to God, influencing your world, that's a core spiritual muscle and mandates. So that's a quick ab map for the next 8 to 10 weeks or so. They're intended to help us get stronger. And perhaps if we're stronger, we can prevent some injuries. Just like if we're stronger physically in our core. Maybe we can prevent some stumbles. Maybe we can prevent some falls. Uh, and, and maybe we can, we can use that development in protecting who God intends us to be in understanding our identity. So hopefully, uh, we'll assume a confident posture. Uh, confident of who we are in Christ that will produce an overall sense of well-being in our journey with God. Now, there's a foundational verse that we're going to find our way back to over and over again this fall. Uh, and variations of the verse are found in the different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Uh, and they are the real adverses of Scripture. Here they are. Barry read them for us. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. So this morning, I just want us to see the bigger picture. To see the bigger picture this morning. And then come back each Sunday just to plug in the details. So let me give you the big picture this morning of our core strength and developing our three main spiritual ab muscles. So the first one is developing a relationship with God. Developing a relationship with God. Andrew uh, Bitov, a Russian novelist, 
grew up under an atheistic communist uh, theme, uh, regime, but God got his attention one dreary day. He recalls, uh, in my 27th year, while riding the metro in Leningrad, now St. Petersburg, he said, I was overcome with a despair so great that just life seemed to stop. There seemed to be no future. There, there, there just seemed to be no more meaning to my life. And he said, suddenly, uh, all by itself, a phrase appeared, probably in my mind, and the phrase was, was without God, life makes no sense. And he said, it came again, it flashed into my mind, and I just saw it so vividly. Without God, life makes no sense. And there it came again, without God, life makes no sense. And he said, repeating it in astonishment, I rode that phrase up like a moving staircase, got out of the metro, and walked into God's light. Without God, life makes no sense. The quest to know the purpose for our lives has puzzled people over thousands of years. I mean, we are prone to ask the questions that are natural to ask, but they don't get us to the finish line. We ask self-centered questions like, what do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals? What are my ambitions? What's my dream for the future? And they aren't bad questions. In fact, they're very good questions. But they really should come after the most important question, and that is, what part does God play in the purpose of my life? Where does he fit into my life? And without God in the equation, we're hard-pressed to really know the purpose of our existence. What is life all about? Why was I placed on the planet? What's it really all about? So where do you start the discussion without putting God into the picture? It's really hard to answer the questions of purpose and meaning and future. We can speculate, but unless there is a bigger picture, unless there is a deeper cosmic reason, then all I can say to you is what I think. And all you can say to me is what you think. Or you can quote somebody else as to what they think. But it's really all in the end conjecture or it's guesswork. But when you start with God, the creator, you conclude that you're here on this planet because God has it in his plan that your life has come into existence and that it has meaning and that there is some rhyme and some reason for your life. That you were made by God and made for God and that has become the underlying core muscle of your life to develop. Life doesn't compute very well without that basic understanding. It is only in God that we discover our identity and our significance and our sense of purpose. Why did God make us? Why did he put us here? And the question starts there with God. Matthew 22:37 outlines it like this. You must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So this core ab spiritual muscle quickly identifies that there is a God, and our response to him 
is one of love and devotion. You are not an accident. You didn't happen to find your way onto the surface of this planet without God's awareness. You didn't sneak in the back door and God has no idea that you're here uh, on this planet. You are here because God put you here. He knows your name. You're not an unknown quantity. And our journey is discovering that God knows me, that he knows my name, that he knows everything about me. In fact, I was planned by God. Who is he? What does he want with my life? That's a great place to start. He, He was not at all surprised by your birth before you were conceived by your parents. You were conceived in the mind of God. He thought of you first. It's not by fluke or coincidence or accident that you are now living and breathing on planet Earth. You're alive because God wanted you to be alive and he wanted you to be here. Uh, You're alive because God wanted you. He wanted you to live in this world and he wants you to understand and, and find the purpose for your existence. And, and we know that we are not awkward human beings in a world where we don't really fit. Like This doesn't seem to be a place where we would live. No, the environment of earth fits us well. We have a place in this world. So I just googled a place in this world. And little did I know that Taylor Swift wrote a song called A Place in This World. She says, I'm alone on my own, and that's all I know. I'll be strong, I'll be wrong. Oh, but life goes on. Oh, I'm just a girl trying to find a place in this world. But that's our story, trying to find a place in this world. But we have a place in this world, and the world was made for us, and God planned it with very great precision. Dr. Michael Stanton is a senior research fellow in human molecular genetics at the university in New Zealand. And he stated it this way, all the evidence available in the biological sciences supports the core proposition that the cosmos is a specially designed whole with life and mankind as its fundamental goal and purpose a whole in which all of the facets of reality have their meaning and explanation in this central fact. Now, just rewording that just a little bit, our Father specially designed this planet for humanity. He created a world in which we could live as humankind and we could thrive and we could find meaning. He designed us to explore and lead and build and support and encourage and journey with the people of this earth. But then Isaiah said it long before that. He said, for the Lord is God and he created the heavens and the earth and put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos. Isaiah 45 verse 18. So he made the world a place to be lived in. So we live on this planet for a reason. What will we do with the space and the time that we occupy over the years of our lives? How tragic if we just believe 
that we live for the course of our years, whether we get 30 or 50 or 80 or maybe 100, and we're here, and then it's just all over. What would be the purpose? Ever since he was a kid, a fellow by the name of Bob Goth had a dream to sail across the Pacific Ocean to Hawaii. So Bob and four of his buddies entered the Transpac race, a semi-annual sailboat race from Los Angeles to Hawaii. They were novices. They had very limited sailing skills, but they were adventurous. But for Bob and his friends, the most uh, moving part of the journey was the arrival at the finish line. Bob writes this. He says, there's a tradition in the Transpac race. No matter when you finish the race, even if it's two in the morning, when you pull into the marina in Oahu, there's a guy who announces the name of the boat and every crew member who made the, made the trip, and it's the same guy that's been doing this for decades. He said, when we arrived, it was a few hours before dawn. It had been 16 days since we set out from Los Angeles in our little boat, knowing very little about navigation. And suddenly the silence was broken by a booming voice over a loudspeaker announcing the name of our tiny boat coming into the marina. And then he started announcing the names of our ragtag crew like he was introducing heads of state. One by one, he announced all of our names with obvious pride in his voice, and it became a really emotional moment for all of us on board. When he came to my name, he didn't talk about how few navigational skills I had or the zigzag course I'd led to, uh, to get us there. He didn't even tell people that I didn't know which direction was north or all the rest of my mess-ups along the way. Instead, he just welcomed me from this adventure like a proud father would. And when he was done, there was a pause. And then in a very sincere voice, his last words to the entire crew were these, Friends, it's been a long trip. Welcome home. Because of the way he said it, we all welled up and fought back tears and I wiped my eyes as I reflected in that moment about all the uncertainty that had come with the journey, all the sloppy sailing and how little I knew. But none of that mattered because now we had completed the race. Friends, at the end of our lives, after our, our many mistakes and our many mid-course corrections, our loving Heavenly Father will simply say to us, friends, it's been a long trip. Welcome home. But he gives to each of us the journey of earth. And that journey will have meaning because it precedes the welcome home. The journey in the world may be hard, but it will have purpose and meaning. And then one day, the journey will merge into a new chapter into a new day, into a new heaven, and into a new earth. So we live on the planet for a reason. Because God put us here. And he is a God who made us for a reason. And every life, every life has profound meaning. 
So the core ab muscle is to see our purpose. Our purpose is to discover that we were created by God to have a meaningful life, a purposeful life, and to respond to that God by loving him back. The first commandment, by loving him back. That's our response to God. Secondly, developing community with others. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But a second is equally important. Love your neighbors yourself. Now, God wants us all to be part of a family. He wants us all to be part of a community. And he created us to be part of a unique earthly family, a family that expands beyond our biological family. I read about a pastor whose daughter uh, keeps a daily notebook. And on one page, she had drawn a picture of her dad and, and written carefully his name and his address. It was kind of like in her journal. And when asked why she had drawn a picture of her dad and put these specifics in, she said she had been watching a movie about amnesia. And then she said, if I ever forget who I am, I want everybody to know who I belong to. Now, awesome. Belonging is very important. And knowing who we belong to is even more important. So this is really God's second purpose for your life. It is the second core ab muscle that we want to remind ourselves of this fall. That we're part of a family. And we belong to one another. And we have our Father as the one we identify with. We were meant to live in community. The family has a purpose. The family has a purpose to love God, to honor God, and to be part of what God is up to. That's what we do as a family. We figure out what God is up to. And we go along with Him. Don't you love the way Paul says it in Ephesians 1.5 that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So God highly values relationships. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in relationship. Isn't that a very unique relationship? And their relationship is filled with harmony. I mean, it's the template for human relationships. The, the, the picture of the, the harmony in the Trinity. What awesome community between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's a little story about a mother putting her little girl to bed one night. And the little girl was scared because the storm outside had knocked out the power. So she said... Mom, am I going to be left alone in the dark? And her mother answered calmly, Yes, but don't forget that God's with you all the time. And the little girl was silent for a few minutes, and then she said, I know God is here with me, but I want somebody who has a face. And we all do. We want some around us who have faces. I'm sure that's true right now for those who are hurting and the devastation around the world. That it means so much to have people who have faces 
who are there, their hands and feet and their love and their care. God said in the Garden of Eden, it's not good for man to be alone. I want you to connect with people who have faces. You can love them as well as love me. So we were created to be part of one another's lives. And there's something good and refreshing and valuable about sharing our lives together. None of us can fulfill God's purposes by ourselves. So God gave us community. God gave us friends and he gave us family and we're all one big family. That's why these home groups are so critical as we start again this fall. That we can do life together. That we can share life together. That we can be faces together. That we can strengthen one another. And I'm so glad that we're re-entering into, into home groups as we get going and uh, encourage you to be part of one. We're one big family. I like the way one writer put it. The Bible says that we are put together, joined together, built together. We're members together, we're heirs together, we're fitted together, we're held together. One day, praise God, we'll be caught up together. There's a lot of togethers. So we are connected to one another and life is meant to be done together. And then thirdly, gaining influence in the world. The third ab muscle that needs attention is influence. We carry in the world as followers of Jesus Christ. We're made to be influencers. We each have an assignment. We have a wonderful assignment of, of God to be the hands and feet of Jesus to impact the world. What an opportunity. Thank you for the $2,500 or so last week for the Benevolent Fund uh, to, to help those who have been caught in Hurricane Harvey. Uh, but we can be the hands and feet of Jesus around the world. And Jesus knew that immediately uh, in his young life as a 12-year-old. Remember after his parents made a trip to the temple and after they left they couldn't find Jesus and they wondered where he was and they finally found him in the temple dialoguing with the big wigs of the religious leadership. And they, when they asked him why he hadn't joined them, he said, you know what he said, I must be about my father's business. As a 12-year-old he knew what his assignment was. He knew what his life was about. And when we really grasp what our lives are about, this influencing part of life, it launches a whole new sense of purpose and meaning to the years that God gives us. Because for the rest of our lives, we're now influencers. It's all about influencing. It's all about being God's people for the rest of our lives. We're influencers. 2 Corinthians 5.18 The Apostle Paul says, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. We're to be influencers. Another translation put it this way, Christ changed us from enemies into friends and gave us the task of making others his friends also. I love that. Christ changed us from enemies into friends and gave us the task of making others his friends also. Actually, our responsibility is major here in terms of our influence. We have people in our lives that we can influence 
like no one else. You are the only Christ influencer that some people will ever know. Because the rest of us can't get near to them. But they're in your sphere. They're in your world. And God has given us the privilege to influence them, to be part of their lives, and to build bridges. So how do you want to spend your life? Where do you want to invest your love, your heart, your finances, your energy, your time? Where do you want to spend the rest of your life? William James captured it so well. He said the best use of life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. Boy, you can't say it better than that. The best use of life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. Not collecting stuff here, but that it will go on, our influence, our impact, for, for years and for into eternity. You say, I don't know if I'm up to being an influencer. We could all be influencers. We don't have to be experts in the field, not at all. It's just your story. In a courtroom, a witness doesn't have to win the case. You just share what you've seen and heard. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do the convincing. And he's so good at it. And God uses all of us as influencers. And the Holy Spirit uses that influence to make his case. So he'll use you to make his case in the world. And you don't really know exactly how he's doing it, but he will. Where do we influence? We influence our family. This church can influence our community. Awesome Friday night out there connecting with people in our community. Three or four hundred people probably out there that we're connecting with. Just building bridges. Uh, we can have an influence in the whole world. And it's amazing how God wants to bless our influence. I was just reading this morning in my quiet time how God gave his great blessing to the young church in the book of Acts. That there was a beautiful spirit of harmony. There was a spirit of unity and generosity. And then the scripture says, And God brought his special favored blessing to the people. It's his blessing. So God has never made a person that he didn't love. Everyone matters to him. And God has put many of those people close to us so that we can influence them as well and bless them and encourage them. And the Holy Spirit takes all of that and he uses it marvelously beyond what you would ever expect. John Sutherland is, the, is a London Police Department uh, uh, guy way up in the ranks. He did a TED Talk in which he said, in forensic science, this is a principle. Every contact leaves a trace. In other words, every criminal leaves a trace behind him. Some way. Somehow. What, wherever he steps, wherever he touches, wherever, whatever he leaves, even unconsciously, will serve as a silent witness against him. Not only his fingerprints or his footprints, but his hair, fibers from his clothes, the glass he breaks, the paint he scratches, the blood, the, the, he deposits or collects. I mean, this is evidence that will not be forgotten. What a great reminder. Every time two people come into contact with one another, an exchange takes place. Whether between lifelong friends or passing strangers, 
We encourage, we ignore, we walk toward or we walk away, we bless or we curse, and every single contact leaves a trace. The way that we treat and regard one another matters. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Influencers. We're all influencers. So in the next few weeks, three muscles that we're working on. Developing intimacy with God. You're here on this planet for a purpose. God has a dream for you. God has significance for you. You don't want to miss it. You want to walk with him. Secondly, developing community with others. We were made to do life together. Life is better together. We learn so much from one another. That, and, and we learn that God has designed life so that we can be encouraged in the long run by traveling together. And then developing influencers in the world. Good part of our purpose for the planet is to see that we're on a mission and we make a difference. And your love makes a difference. Your caring makes a difference. You never know how much. Your words make a difference. And we give glory to God for that. Amen. I think we should pray together. Just remain seated. Would you bow with me? Can I pose a question uh, this morning? Just one question. Are you experiencing that meaningful relationship with God that brings real significance and purpose to your life? Do you have a sense in your heart today that, that you are deeply valued by God? that he loves you, that he's got something for you. It's a good, just a good day to be able to say, Lord, I want my, I want my life to be significant. I want to I wanna always walk in that direction. So if you would like to uh, have somebody pray with you today, just remember that after the service, there are people up at front and front here that you could come up and just say, just pray with me. Pray that I would have real significance and purpose. Um, and I'd be happy to pray with you even now. Just, just slip up your hand if you just say, I, I just really need significance and purpose in my life. And I'll, I'll just pray a prayer for all of us. Moment. Lord, you know us. You know us. You know us so well. And you love us so much. So I pray, Lord Jesus, for each one of us here today, that that first ab muscle of really loving you and knowing you and finding significance in you would be so true and so evident in all of our lives that we wouldn't go through this life just kind of sensing that we don't count, we're not important, but that we would know that we are loved unreservedly, unconditionally. So thank you. Speak into our hearts this morning.
love on us, Lord, as we respond back to you. We pray in Jesus' name.